just just a polite notice that during our service, because we have our kids' church out in that main area, because of child protection, um, we need to, to ensure that people aren't going out and sitting out there. So if you need some air, please feel free to go through and outside and get some air. Or if you need to go to the toilet, you can go straight through. But we can't have people sitting out there on the sofas, if that's okay, because of child protection. Who is ready for the Word of God? I am. And Pastor Chris Kluwer, our teaching pastor, is bringing a great word this morning. Come on, let's welcome him. Amen. Amen. First Sunday of 2024. Hasn't it been good? I hope it's not going to go downhill from now on. But, uh, but uh, thank you, worship group. Absolutely terrific. A year of fruitfulness is what God put on my heart. So uh, Steve decided to steal half my message, the first thing that he got up. But that's okay. That's okay. It's the Holy Spirit just bringing things together. In fact, I think we've had about three sermons already. You know, thank you, Lillian. Thank you, Rory. Thank you, all those that are bringing messages. And Becky, pictures. Absolutely wonderful. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you as we come to this time. Lord, when we just want to submit ourselves, uh, our minds, our hearts, our spirits, our bodies, just to receive from you, Lord, through your word. We thank you, Lord, that this is a treasured word. It's a glory, Lord, that you poured out into this world. It is the authority, the wisdom, and the wonder of God given to us that we might grow, that we might have foundations, that we might know who we are and where we are and what we're doing. And so, Lord, bless your word to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 A year of fruitfulness. Um, we're going to start with a scripture uh, from Joshua. Uh, I'll explain the reason for this as we go through it, but uh, I hope you can pick up that okay or look it up on, on your uh, book. It's, it's turn to or click to these days, isn't it, that you have to see, because uh, probably more people click than turn. But there we are, Joshua 5 and verses 10 to 12. The children of Israel were camped at Gilgal and kept the Passover. Kept the Passover. This was very special. This was the first Passover they had kept for many, many years. On the 14th day of the month, the month I've put in brackets there was the month Nisan. It actually falls in March, April time, the time of the Passover, which Easter is connected to, so we know roughly when it comes. On the 14th day of Nisan at twilight, on the plains of Jericho, they had just crossed the River Jordan. They, in a miraculous way, the priests had led the way through, carrying the Ark of the Covenant. The river had dried up. They'd arrived on the other side and kept the Passover. Do you know God's timing was completely precise, absolutely precise. And, verse 11, they ate of the fruit of the land on the day after the Passover. There they were. They hadn't been to Jericho. They were still outside of that. They had only crossed over, had the Passover, and the next day they ate of the, uh, the, the day after Passover, uh, they ate of the fruit of the land, unleavened bread and parched grain on that very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer ate, had manna, but they ate of the food of the land of Canaan that year. 
And I thought this is actually a lovely thing to come to as we come to a new year. Because this was their new year. It's not the same time. It's a Jewish calendar. It's, it's a, but it's their new year. This is our new year. And what they did, they moved from manna to the fruit of the land of Canaan. The people of promise started to feed upon the land of promise, the fruits of promise, the resources of promise. They started to feed upon that. They moved from manna-eating wilderness wanderers to promise land dwellers, the place where God's eye was upon, the place where he had set up a place uh, a land flowing with milk and honey, the land he had chosen for the revelation of God to the world. He had chosen a land and he had chosen a people. It was the follow-up of the promise to Abraham. I will lead you to a place where you do not know and I will make you a great nation and I will give you this land. And the land had connected with the nation for the very first time. So they ate the Passover, they ate the fruit of the land and manna stopped. And there's a call upon us, maybe, maybe to move from wandering about, wilderness wanderers, stuck on a diet of manna, to step into the glory of the promised land and all that it is for us. So that's what um, it's called upon. My computer's died. No. Um, so uh, that's why I wanted to come to this message this year and look at fruitfulness because did you know that in order to be fruitful, you have to feed on the fruitful? In order to become fruitful, you need to feed on the fruitful. Let's look at that. We're going to see, look at this um, f right the way through the Bible in a sense. But the next screen for us, Graham. If you, no, sorry. We'll tap on there. I want to show you end to end. Fruitfulness is on the heart of God. And this was the, 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 the text that, that Steve brought to us at the beginning. Because it's right there. In the first chapter of the Bible, chapter 1, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created. God, he created them, male and female, he created them. That's got a bit lost in our day and age, hasn't it? But uh, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. The first command that he had to them, be fruitful and multiply. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed and every tree where, whose fruit yields seed for food. There was this garden of Eden, and it was spread with beautiful fruits throughout. It had two special trees in the middle, one giving life and one giving death. Guess which one they chose. We know the story, um, uh, but, but here we are. Fruitfulness. Now, there's a command to be fruitful, but it's on the basis of having the fruit of God to feed upon. And you can't be fruitful without feeding upon this fruitfulness. It's a lesson that comes through again and again. So it's a challenge to us. What are we feeding upon this year in the, in the, as, as the Israelites are on that promised land? Well, we go from the first chapter in the Bible, next screen, to the last. Because right the way last to the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, and the, the river of life... And the tree of life has moved from a garden to a city. And what God started in a garden, he perfects in a city. That's encouragement to us in our day. That's encouragement to our prayers for this city and this place and our nation. So in Revelation 22, he says 
that uh, John is, is just receiving this awesome revelation from God. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It was the same vision Ezekiel was given when the water poured out from the, from the temple and got deeper and deeper the further it went. And um, it, it poured out from there, from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of the street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. A, a multiplicity of fruit in one tree. A multiplicity of growing and multiplying and fruitfulness every month. So the garden has moved to the city. Genesis to Revelation, fruitfulness is there. So we're going to tuck into what God sees as fruitfulness in his people. And his people, when we joined them in Joshua, and as they grew in that, in that place, in that promised land, was the nation of Israel through which God would give his revelation. We're going to pick it up in Psalm 80. Thank you. And in Psalm 80, I think this is a lovely verse for our church, actually. It's got a little refrain, a little chorus in this hymn, this song of a Psalm 80, which says, Restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. And that's repeated in verses uh, 3, 7, and 19 as it goes through the psalm. So it's got this little chorus, but an embedded in verses 10, uh, sorry, 7 to 10, is this part of the song. And it says this, you have brought a vine out of Egypt. Now I ask you, what did actually God bring out of Egypt in the Exodus? The nation of Israel. It would have taken them 11 days to cross to the promised land had they been obedient, but it took them 40 years. That's why wilderness wandering ain't a great idea. It's better to get into the promise that God has for you. So he brought a vine not just a people, but he sees it as a fruitful vine. He brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations. Who did he do that to? The Hittites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, the Ites, the Ites, the Ites. You know, there's a list of them, isn't it? The Canaanites. They all had to be driven out. That was Joshua's work. You have cast out the nation and planted the vine. You prepared room for it. Do you know God's prepared room for you? Room for you, room for your ministry. It says a gift makes room for the gift for the person with the giver. It says that in I think Proverbs. You planted it, you prepared room for it, and you caused it to take what? Deep root. Deep root. And uh, and we're gonna come back to that as well. So remember that roots. And it filled the land. This vine that God had created filled the land. How glorious. The hills were covered with its shadow and the mighty cedars with its boughs. How absolutely glorious, how absolutely lovely. So that, that was God seeing the nation of Israel, his people, as the vine of the Lord. But let's switch, let's move on to Psalm 1, which is up there now, because what he sees in the corporate, he treasures in the individual. And the individual builds the corporate, and the corporate is made up of individuals. And so to the individual, he said, blessed is the man, or woman, or child, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Goes on to say a few other things, but this is the blessed person. This is the righteous person, not the unrighteous person. Blessed is the man. Goes on to say, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Do you know what we're talking about there? 
We're talking about deep roots. Deep, deep roots. In his law, he meditates day and night. And he shall be, therefore, like a tree planted by the river of the Lord. The Lord plants you. He doesn't let you just drift. He doesn't scatter you. He plants you. You have a planting which is your place, your calling, what God wants from you and in you. Because he planted this, and he planted it by the rivers of waters. This plant did not depend for its life upon the rains or the lack of them or waiting for it was planted by the streams, the rivers of life. So it would always have that because it had deep roots. It was planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither. Get this. And whatever he does shall prosper. Now, wouldn't that be a glory for 2024? Whatever you do will prosper. Whatever you do. It's only true when you're planted by the Lord, receiving from the Spirit of God the waters of life in the place of fruitfulness. The individual builds towards the corporate. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if you're already thinking of um, uh, John chapter 15. And we will get there because this is just not an Old Testament uh, an Old Testament thing. We've seen it goes from Genesis to Revelation and it will do for us as well. But before we get to that... There is a prophetic song which was given to Isaiah, which we need to take note of. Let's just have a look at it. I don't know if you can read that. It's a bit smaller, but I wanted to fit it on the screen. I need binoculars for that one. I have to read it out of this one, not fall off the stage. Okay, this was a song. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. This is Isaiah the prophet. And, and what he's feeling, the one he loved, God the father, the one I love about his vineyard. What's his vineyard? The nation of Israel. Let's get a go with it. I will sing for the one I love about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared the stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower protection and carved a wine press in nearby rocks use of the fruitfulness of a vine. Then he waited for the harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were sour. They were bitter, they were wild. Now, you people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not already done? I expected sweet grapes. Why did my vineyard give me sour grapes? Now let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will break down its walls. I will let animals trample it. I will make it a wild place. You might as well have a wild place if you've got wild, wild grapes and it didn't bring what you wanted, the sweetness and glory that you wanted it to bring. I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. And then there's application. Because it's not just a story, it's an application. And the application was this. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. He expected to find the sweet grapes of justice. But when he tasted it, 
he got the wild, sour grapes of oppression. He wanted to taste the sweetness of righteousness in his people, but instead he heard the wild, sour cries of violence. So that was the experience of God. And he said, well, I'm, I, I didn't get what I wanted. I'm going to break down the walls, let the animals trample in it. And do you know that a vineyard needs more care than any other fruitfulness? Crops can just grow and you can harvest them. A vine needs co Talks about, you know, preparing, removing the stones and hoeing it and, and softening the ground. And it needs a lot of care. Um, and, and, and it hadn't worked out because that's what God had given. So he said, well, I'll take away its boundary. I'm no, you know, it's got a watchtower in the middle. It's got that, but I'm going to take away its boundary. Let it be wild. Do you know? God did. God did. What was Babylon about? Babylon swept in because there was no boundary and swept away the nation of Israel. They were overcome by the Persians, by the Greeks, by the Romans who were still there when Jesus came. Do you know what? God has swept away the boundaries and the protection in our day in Israel. No wonder it needs our prayers. No wonder this nation of God's people is suffering. Because God hasn't been getting the sweet grapes that he sought after all his efforts in that place. So let us go to John chapter 15 because this is not just an Old Testament truth. Because there Jesus says, I am the vine. He has taken that responsibility. All that was corporate in Israel became presented in Jesus. Because all of the manifestation of God in Israel led up to the coming of the Messiah and the person of Jesus. I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. You are the branches. You're grafted in. You're put into this place. You are the branches. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. bit similar to Israel, bit similar. And every branch that bears fruit, oh dear, bit of pain coming, he prunes. Why do you prune things that are fruitful? That they may bring forth more fruit. Bit of pruning been going on? It's not always the easiest, is it? It's not always comfortable. In fact, don't be comfortable. God's got more important things than your comfort. He prunes them that they may bring forth more fruit. Verse 8, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Notice the development. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. A year of fruitfulness is a calling upon his people at this time. So will you be my disciples. I just want you to... Fix that bit in your mind about much fruit glorifying the Father. That's what glorifies God. Because we're going to press on and we're going to investigate a little bit about what this fruitfulness means. So you've probably got in your mind Galatians 5, 22, 23, because it talks very straightforwardly about the fruit of God. And it says the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many times have I heard in a message, well, I'm not doing too badly on love and joy. Peace, yeah. Patience, no, I haven't got much of that. It's not like that. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit are. It says the fruit of the Spirit is. And then gives a ninefold description of what it is. When you have the Spirit of God manifesting fruitfulness in your character... 
It is love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, kindness, loving, goodness, doubt. So it's those things which are there. So, so that's what God produces. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That is fruit of character. But there's another fruitfulness. And we're going to look also at 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 uh, with that phrase that I mentioned in mind. Because in Peter it says this, each one of you has received a gift. Yes, you have. <laughs> yeah, when you were born again and the Holy Spirit was invested in you, it came with gifts. You have natural gifts and you have spiritual gifts. And God knows every one of them. He has given you a gift, minister it to one another. The worst thing to do with a gift, stroke, talent, is to bury it. The one who had five made five more. The one who had two made two more. The one who had one buried it. Not a good idea, you wicked, wasteful servant. So, so minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, we heard about from that from Lillian. If anyone speaks, let him speak with the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, serves, let him do so with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified. Can we pick on that there? God may be glorified. What did it say in John 15? That you will bear much fruit to glorify your Father in heaven. This is part of the fruitfulness of God, that you may glorify God, you may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We have two kind of fruitfulness going on here. We have fruitfulness of character and fruitfulness of calling. Those two go together. What's the chances of you having fruitfulness in your calling if you haven't got fruitfulness in your character? God invests in you and your character in order to bring you into the fullness of place of your calling to glorify him. So the fruitfulness of God is in you and through you. In fact, there's a verse, Romans 11:36 that all things to whom be glory for God forever in him, in him, through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. It is, it is that. So, so the being of character becomes the doing of calling. And the doing of calling is so important, but won't be done without the character. Um, I want to look at a few more verses together. And we're going to dip into the wisdom which comes through Jesus when he's speaking. Because he brought a parable and it said this. A certain man had a fig tree and he planted it in a vineyard. Not sure why he didn't plant a vine in the vineyard, but in this particular instance he planted a fig tree in the vineyard. Okay. He planted a fig tree in the vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it but found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he, the keeper of the vineyard, answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. If there is no fruit on the fig tree, or indeed on the vine, or indeed on you and me, when we, when we think about the fruitfulness on a tree, apple tree, pear tree, fig tree, whatever it is, 
And if there's no fruit, the problem isn't in the fruit. The keeper of the vineyard knew where the problem was. The problem was in the root. And so if there's a lack of fruitfulness, he said, I'll dig it around. I'll soften the soil. And I'll fertilize it. I'll deal with the roots, and that will bring the fruits. You know, God has to say something very deeply to us sometimes about, yes, you want fruit. Yes, you want to be serving the Lord. Yes, you want everything to prosper that you put your hand to. But what about the roots? Cherish them. Feed them. Care from them. They draw up from the well of life, which is God's. And so that's where the uh, vine keeper put his effort because next, next one, as it says in Matthew, so important. When it comes up, I can read it to you. Just want to pick on, therefore by their fruits you will know them, is what Jesus says. Good trees, bad trees, by their fruits you shall know them. I love this verse in Romans eleven sixteen. It says, if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. What a what wonderful two-liner to bring such truth. The first fruits, well, that's almost like what we give in the offering, isn't it? We give the first, the first day of the week, the first fruits of our income, the first part of our lives, the best part of the day. If we give the first fruits, the lump, the lump will be holy. If the root is holy, so are the more. Holy fruits, holy roots, holy roots, holy fruits. Get them holy. In the shadow of the cross, on the last week of Jesus' life, and it's in Mark 11, the next screen, he was traveling from Bethany to Jerusalem. He had overnighted at Bethany, and he was on his way back into Jerusalem. He'd already had the triumphal entry. He'd already cleared the tables of saying, you're not fruitful. You're a bunch of thieves. He cleared the tables in the temple. My house should be a house of prayer. He'd gone to Bethany, and he'd come out in the morning, and Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. But when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat from you ever again. The next morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the tree which you cursed has withered away. You see, when Jesus went looking on this tree, leaves were not good enough. Leaves were life, but they weren't fruit. And he was looking for fruit. Leaves draw life from the ground, pulling up in sap, the the minerals, the water, the life-giving source from the ground. They hold out their face to the sun and they draw from the strength of the sun, turn into photosynthesis and all that scientific stuff, but they are not fruit. They're signs of life, but all they're doing is flapping in the wind. It is so, so important that we are doing more than having signs of life, more than flapping in the wind, but the importance of fruit in our lives, character and calling. Because Jesus came and it withered away. Do you know how many churches are withering away at the moment? They're withering away because they're not producing fruit. 
Do you know how many Christians there are outside the church who have abandoned the body of Christ and they've withered away? God doesn't want us to wither away. He wants more than leaves. He wants more than signs of life. He wants more than something flapping in the breeze. He wants fruit for the kingdom of God. And how how are we going to get that? Well, we're going to go right back to the promised land and the promised life in Christ. And this year we shall eat of the fruit of the land which is upon them. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Wonderful. What a great word. You know, I often say to Chris, when, when I listen to him preach, it's like getting in a car and taking a journey through the scriptures and having a drive through the scriptures. And uh, that's his gift. That's why he's a teaching pastor. That's, that's why he, he enables and brings the word of God to life uh, for us. And actually, he's, what he's done there this morning is he has brought us a foundation for this year. Yes? And, uh, and prophesied into our lives. Amen? Wonderful. What a, what a great word. Thank you, Chris. Come on, let's just honor the man of God. Brilliant. 